It's Friday. It is my weekend. God is good. He continues to bless me. My family is blessed. And you guys should already know that with me, another day above ground is always a blessing. And she, me, her, thanks you guys for tuning over to Talk to Talk with me, Anita Love to Hate to Hate, and listen to another episode on this free Friday. <laughs> it's the price of success for me. It's the hard work, my dedication to the job that I have at hand, and it's my determination that whether I win or lose, I have applied the best of myself to the task at hand. I always work hard. I try my best to stay positive, and I get up early, and it's the best part of my day because, like I've said before, without hard work, nothing grows, but weed success isn't always about greatness. It's about your consistency. It's about consistent hard work that leads to success, and greatness will come if you stick to it. I believe that and I stand by that. You guys have been a very important part um, of my podcasting, I'm being honest. Um, I've looked at the people, you know, the the ratings of the listeners and and the supporters and the emails that constantly comes in, and I appreciate it, and I thank you guys for that. It means a lot to me, Mr. E, for supporting um, Angie, um, Aunt E., or Aunt, Auntie E-A, or something like that, um, Cal, um, who else, uh, Deborah, um, Steve, there's Alan George, or something like that, Alan's George, or something like that, thank you guys for supporting my podcast, um, it means so much to me, you have no idea, I appreciate it, um, oh, um, uh, uh, um, Margaret Williams, thank you, ma'am. I appreciate you. Um, Miss Helen, Helen Ferguson or Ferg's Ferguson, thank you also. I appreciate you. It means a lot to me. You have no idea. Um, and I ask that you continue to support just the fact that you subscribe to my podcast, you give me donation to my podcast. It means a lot to me. It really does. It's the small things that goes a long way with me. And the fact that you felt that I was important enough to be a part of my journey, I appreciate it. It means a lot. I, I, I have, like, I'm, I can't even come up with the right words to tell you how thankful I am. It means a lot to me. Um, and I ask that you continue to share and continue to support. And I hope that. If it's something on my podcast that you disagree with or you may wish to hear something more of, I don't mind. Send the the, um, invite, the questions, the comments, the complaint, all that good stuff. I appreciate it. It means a lot to me. It really does mean a lot to me. Let me be be specifically clear to everyone. I don't get offended from constructive criticism. I get offended when someone do not take the time to actually listen to my podcast in its entirety. Hear something on there in bits and pieces, and then take it and turn it into you always talk about racism. You, as an attack, 
I don't take too kindly to that because you're not coming over here for the right reason. You're not even listening to the podcast. You're trying to find something wrong. So I rebuke that in the name of the Lord. I'm trying to walk God like I really am. I'm trying to stay positive. Um, it's been a very tiresome, tiresome week. And today has been one of those days that everything has kind of like shown itself clear to me. But um, I'm going to take a brief break, you guys. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back in a moment. All right, I'm back again. Thank you for staying with me and for not strolling past. And thank you for your support. Like I've said before, I appreciate it. It means a lot to me. So let's get into this Friday madness. And we're starting off with Miss Cardi B. Cardi B is off the rip in the new sketch comedy series. Now, she is our fave. is And she's having this um, temper tantrum on Twitter all day long. Um... Not Cardi, though, right? Right. Your other faves. Anyway, Cardi B is out here minding her own business, and she is continuing to flourish people after making a stunning post-baby duvet on, um, appearance on the MTV Video Music Awards Monday night. The new mom is ready to bounce back into her ever-growing stardom. And it looks like this is adding sketch comedy to her resume. In an interview with Page Six, Wildin' Out star uh, rep Michael said the rapper will be appearing in his new sketch comedy show off the rip. Um, uh, Michael told the Page Six that you're going to see Cardi B in a whole new life. She's going to do crazy sketches like she has this thing called whole etiquette where she does this character where she tells how women to handle their inner hoe and how to do a relationship i don't know what that is but sound like it's going to be funny and i'm with the funnies with the shit so i'm just saying um cardi's also is said to appear in sketches called house a uh, real housewives of civil rights and how to treat a man wrong so to see cardi in a comedian light i think it's going to be amazing because she's she's really funny and they think she's you know well michael said that she's more funny than we actually realized um or even thought that she is um he was saying that he don't think people realize how hilariously cardi really is she is a beast at it um so, yeah, Michael also said that there's even a spoof of the Cardi B and Nicki Minaj beef in the show. Um, he said, when I tell you, we touched on everything. There was no scared cows. We touched on Nicki beef. We touched on 50 Cent. We touched on a whole bunch of people that you just wouldn't expect us to talk to. So we're going to need some bodyguards after the show. But no word yet on where the show will be aired. But, you know, I will be tuned in to give the full scoops and um to give support because you know what i love me some cardi i'm just saying i love me some cardi i like nikki too but nikki been moving very strange lately she's just been on some more shits i don't know what's going on with with nikki i really don't and as amazing as she is as an artist and everything and how successful she is i'm just very disappointed at how she's moving i don't understand how her people are just letting her move the way she's moving i don't know i do I, I, not up for me to discuss um but you know good luck with all of that maybe you know maybe there's a game plan in somewhere in it for her or something she's trying to get out of it i don't know but i don't like the move that she's making anyway <clears throat> candace owens was dragged for public um politicizing the death of an iowa college student now 
how would you guys feel if if a member of your family was killed and after all of that and the aftermath of that death, everyone from the White House, even Sarah Huckabee Sanders to even the GOP um, talking heads, use them as a talking point. Right. As an afterthought. Right. It's in this ongoing debate about immigration in this country. Now, this is exactly what has happened to this family of Molly Tibberts. She's the 20-year-old University of Iowa student who went missing over a month ago. Her body was um, unfortunately discovered Tuesday. And shortly thereafter, a suspect was arrested and he was charged with first-degree murder. The suspect was identified as an undocumented immigrant who was 24-year-old Kristenin. Uh, Kristen Riviere. Um, since his identification in the revolution that his immigration status, Rivera has been the subject of many conversation um, um, in regards to Tibbert's to secondary status in her own death. And in Wednesday, White House press briefing, Sarah Huckabee Sanders brought up Tibbert's, but immediately took the opportunity to make it about immigration policy. Black GOP commentator Candace Owens mentioned Tibbert's in a tweet as a political talking point as well. Um, But Molly Tibbert's was killed by an illegal immigrant, is what Candace uh, wrote. There will be zero outrage from Democrats and the spineless celebrities who marched to their orders because they need open borders for votes. How many more Americans' lives is the left willing to sacrifice for elections? Um, Sam Lucas, which was a, uh, is a recent graduate of the University of Missouri, who is distantly related to Tibbert's, though great-grandparents, um, told the Washington Post that uh, she was so outraged by the tweet from Owens that she was moved to respond to her tweet. She said, um, hey, I'm a member of Molly's family and we're not so fucking small minded that we generalize a whole population based on some bad individuals. Now, stop being a fucking snake and using my cousin's death as political propaganda. Take her name out of your mouth. Now, Lucas was not the only family member of Tibbert to speak out against the um, um, politicization of her death. Billy Joe Carterwood, Tibbert's aunt, um, wrote a reminder to everyone on Facebook that evil comes in every color. She said, please remember, evil comes in every color. Our family has been blessed to be surrounded by love, friendship, and support throughout this entire ordeal by friends from all different nations and races. And from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Lucas also told the Post that she saw Carterwood's post. Um, before she wrote her tweet, she said she isn't trying to serve as a spokesperson for the family by any means. She just wanted to voice her own frustration. Um, she followed up on her first tweet to Owens with one in which she said, my whole family is hurting right now and you're not helping. You're despicable. And this is so far from the loving and kind soul that Molly was. My prayers go out to you in hopes that maybe you'll become a better person and not hedging my bets though. So far, it doesn't. It does not appear that Owens has responded to the tweet. Um, For her part, Lucas told the Post that she has received some backlash for her tweet to Owens, but she says she will still speak out no matter who the backlash was coming from. She said, I wanted to protect my family from this extra grief of politics, even if it was coming from the other side on some other issue that connected somehow to my cousin. I'll say the same um, exact thing. Um, 
Unfortunately, Lucas told the Post that she doesn't think her cousin should be part of any discussion related to immigration in the United States. She said people are saying if we had better border control, your cousin would never be dead. She said that may be true, but also a lot of young American women get killed by legal immigrants or people who were born here as well. And I, I agree with that. My heart goes out to you and your family. I hurt for you. And I will continue to pray for you and your family for peace and for understanding through this. And I commend you guys for not blaming and putting every immigration in a hole for the for his crime and for what he committed, for whatever sick reason he chose to do that. Um, but that's the problem with people in certain positions. They use the trauma and the hurt and the pain of of people normal Americans, such as the Tibbers family, to piggyback off of and to use to exploit their negative behavior and their negative viewpoints. Now, everyone has a, a right to their opinions. Everyone has a right to whatever thoughts that they have. But it's hard. I understand what they're saying because if I don't agree with your points, if I don't agree with your propaganda, if I don't agree with your policy of immigrations, I don't want my family tied to that. And if I feel like my family is not on that same side as you, my family don't want to be a part of that either. So don't speak in regards to our family and add us to that. Don't, because you're using that to publicize as if immigrations is, is so hard and every, all of them is these criminals. But they're regular citizens in this country that have committed some heinous crimes. We have three teenagers that committed murder just recently. 13, 15, and 16 years old, they're looking to be charged as an adult. They could be charged as an adult. And they're citizens in this country. So I rebuke you for that. And I know for the immigration's, um, policy. I know something has to be done. I agree with that. But this way of doing it is wrong on so many levels. And the immigrants that are legal, that are doing right by this country, I apologize to you guys. I'm sorry that you have to go through this. I am. Because as a black and brown-skinned woman, I hurt for my own color for because of what we go through from day to day of mistreatment of the people in our country and not everyone. And I don't put everybody in the same category as the ones that have mistreated us, but because there are some bad ones in our races, like the Tibber family member have said. So I will continue to pray for the Tibbers. I will continue to pray for this country because the only way we're going to change is if everyone gets together and push for love. But you can't hold everybody else accountable if you're not holding yourself accountable. So everyone that's listening to my podcast, please continue to pray for the Tibbers, the immigration policy for better. And it's everybody around this world just for more peace and harmony and more love and for this violence to cease and decease. I mean, it's horrible, you know. We want our, our children and our grandchildren and our grand grandchildren and our great great grandchildren to be able to live and be happy in this in this country. And that's all I have on that one. Moving on. Facebook post. There was a Facebook post that kinda helped me think differently about opinions of blackness as a black woman, you know. Um Am I allowed to think 
for myself as a black millennium or having ideas outside of that status quo of, you know, what the black thoughts and not be criticized for my opinion or, you know, while I'm trying to keep my sanity or maintain my, my blackness at the same time, you know, what sparked this idea of um, opinion was a post that was published by a Facebook um, person about maybe a week ago or so. It said light-skinned people, mixed people can't be victims of colorism. Now, she posted something that ran along the lines of, um, uh, how did she say, black people who are of the lighter hue get better treatment or don't have to deal with the same uh, stipulation that those of a darker hue skin have to endure. Now, don't quote me. I'm, I'm summarizing. I'm, I don't know exactly what was actually. I don't know the word, the statement word for words. I'm paraphrasing. Put it like that. Um, and I had to read the post twice. Actually, I read it three times, maybe four times to really understand what she was saying, what she really meant. Because immediately I felt uh, frustrated and I felt um, disappointed and a, a little angry. Like, how, why would she say that? Like, how could she say that? I started rumbling off experiences and different thoughts, history, different ideas uh, about, you know, with the world and the events that negate what she had posted. But then something just like a light bulb went off in my head without really internalizing what she wrote. I went into a defense mode and I'm not even, I'm not even light skinned, you know, when I actually took a moment to just, stop and to think about what she said I realized um, that she had a valid point you know that there was some truth to that or you know but of course she did receive a lot of backlash for that comment uh, she appeared among the masses to have lost her blackness she became another Kanye West of the world um, granted there is a slew of history that suggests otherwise but Let's just take the black power off for one second and let's think about this and analyze what she was actually writing. Because there is a problem concerning color and how it is viewed among the, ma the masses of people. And there is a stigma that the lighter you are, the better you are treated. And in some spaces and worlds, this is true. I mean, we don't want to admit it, but it's true. She was in no way saying that African-Americans who have a lighter complexions are excluded from racial bias, but are merely accepted in social spaces than their darker counterparts. Um, usually, um, I try to stay away from intellectual conversations that involve politics and religions because I always get a negative um, comment from someone or two about me making stuff color or everything is color relations with me. But lately, I, I'm starting to add race and polit, you know, po politician and political views even more so to my conversation because I feel one wrong opinion 
is going to lead to to the straight burning pits. You know, I think I'm probably going to have a lot of people tell me otherwise, but it is really wrong to have an opinion that is outside of your normal black thoughts. Um, but I, I agree with what she was saying. Um, it's the, I've, I've been on both sides of a situation. So that's why I took heed to it and kind of felt like there was some truth to what she was saying. Um, and there was a situation where someone was lighter than me and I was more qualified. I was better fit. I was more professional and, um, they got, you know, pulled up and I didn't, they got uplifting and I didn't. And so I understand what she's saying, but at the same time, there are, you know, darker skinner people that kind of had a issue with, you know, the race of lighter skinned people because they felt like they were more entitled because of their skin. So they treated them a certain way. So there was some truth to it. I've witnessed it from both sides. I've witnessed it being done to me by a lighter, you know, in a situation with a lighter skinned black person. And I've seen darker skinned black people treat lighter skinned black people a certain way as well. So um, I understand. So I think for me, my point is and what she got from is step outside of your darker skin and look at it from a different angle and tell me what you come up with. Tell me if you will still see it the same way. And then we'll go from there. Maybe we'll have a conversation. Because light or dark-skinned people have had to deal with racism, point blank in a period. Just like white people have to, had to deal with racism because there are some black people that hold white people as a whole accountable for the racism that's going on in this country. And they feel a certain way towards white people. So basically what I'm saying is there's no, nobody's off limits when it comes to that. But don't think just because someone is a lighter skin than I am that they aren't being treated a certain way because of their race because they deal with it too. So just think about it outside of yourself. And maybe you get a different perspective or you see things in a different light is the point. Moving on. There are seven costly tax mistakes that I ran across that I think that we should try to avoid. Now, nobody likes paying taxes. Everybody knows that. And you should never pay any more in taxes than you truly owe, point blank in a period. But there are millions of taxpayers routinely to do things that lead to higher tax bills than are necessary. And that sad thing is that many of these mistakes are completely avoidable with only a minimal of effort. Knowing the most mistakes in the first step towards making sure you, your taxes are as low as possible, let's just go through some of some mostly costly tax mistakes that people make and have to avoid them. Selling winning investments before lower tax rates kick in. It's always nice to have a winning stock, and many people like to sell their winners and lock in their gains before market um, volatility takes them away. That can sometimes be the prudent move from an investing standpoint, although 
Often, selling winners quickly only leads to missing out on even larger gains over the long term. Now, from a tax perspective, there's a definite cost to selling winners quickly. If you've held the stock for just one year or less, then you will pay ordinarily income tax rates on that gain, which can cost you as much as 37% in taxes under current law. So hold the stock for longer than a year, though, and long-term capital gains rates and open a new window kick in ranging from 20% all the way down to 0% for some of you taxpayers. Just a thought. Not using accounts that have tax advantages. There are many different types of investment accounts that can give you big tax breaks. Open a new window. Like a traditional IRA, 401k accounts let you reduce your taxable income now, while the root versions of those accounts give you a chance to generate tax-free income throughout your lifetime. Like for educational um, expenses, 529 plans and Coverdell ESAs offer benefits that will reduce your eventual tax bills while helping to pay for college and related expenses. Health savings accounts play a similar role for health care expenses, letting you make tax-deductible contributions and avoid tax on gains when using the money for covered medical expenses. Not everyone qualifies for at least some of these accounts and not using them results in higher tax bills. So look closely at those options that are available to you and choose the one that works best for you, your family, and your situation. Number three, not choosing the right investment for the right account. Now, having tax advantages account by itself isn't just enough. You also have to use them well. For instance, keeping high income investment in a regular taxable account while putting other investment in a tax deferred account can result in only modest tax savings. So if you put those high income investment in the tax deferred account, the savings can be a lot higher because all the distribution from traditional IRAs and 401ks are subject to tax at ordinary rates. A stock that appreciates in value considerably can result in more taxes in a retirement account than you pay in capital gains in a regular tax account. So by putting your appropriate investment in each type of account, you minimize your tax bill for both now and in your future. So just think about it, you know, be, be, just be a little bit more mindful on the decisions that you make. Number four, failing to pay required estimate taxes. Now, the, R, the IRS requires us to have enough money withheld from our paychecks to cover most of our tax bills. So if your withholding doesn't amount to at least 90% of your total tax liability and your tax owed will exceed $1,000, then you typically have to make quarterly estimate tax payments. Open new windows to avoid costly interest and penalties. To fix this, you do, do one of two things. You can make estimated tax payments that isn't difficult and will solve the problem. But if you rather not do that, then you also boost how much money gets withheld from your paycheck. If you can raise your withholding to get within a 90% or $1,000 limits, then you don't get in trouble for not paying estimated taxes throughout that year. So be mindful of that. I had to go in and readjust my shit and change mine because, hey, I don't want to be paying no taxes. I'm just saying because they don't play with you. They don't play with you. Number five, not maximizing tax deferral opportunities. Um, now, beyond using tax advantages accounts, um, the simple um, uh, rule to minimizing taxes is to take deductions as soon as possible and defer income as long as possible. The strategies like tax laws, harvesting opens a new windows. It can help you accelerate deductible losses 
for your income decisions, like avoiding sales on winning investments or maybe not withdrawing as much money um, from a tax deferred retirement account is a given year and can help you cut your tax bill as well. So in general, the longer you can avoid tax, the better off you will be. Um, I normally don't do that. I like to just go in and make sure all my I's are dotted and T's are crossed, but it does help. Number six, thinking that not filing a required return is smart. See, many people in financial strengths um, can't afford to pay their taxes. And they therefore decide that they shouldn't bother filing a return. That can be a huge costly mistake. Opens a new window because the penalties for failing to file a return are 10 times greater than the penalty of not paying tax due. So if you failure to file, your penalties add up at rate 5% per month. So the smart thing to do is to go ahead and file a return while you're trying to make arrangements with the IRS to handle payments in a manner that you can afford be smart. Don't be dumb. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Number seven, failing to keep necessary tax records. Now, see, the, the worst thing about a tax audit is when you don't have the records you need to support the position you take on your you, you took on your return. So, like, on items like charitable gifts, it's essential to have an acknowledgement of your donation from the charity to take it as an itemized deduction. See, the IRS can generally go back three years to audit tax returns with longer periods applying in cases of fraud or large amounts of underreported income. Keeping tax records or tax returns, supporting statements, and other documents is very crucial just in case auditors come calling and you know they want to, to check all your records. Don't make those mistakes. You know, fortunately, those mistakes are pretty easy to avoid. The key is being aware of the potential problem in the first place. See, once you know how common these mistakes are, you'll be motivated to cut your own tax bill and take actions now. See, the 16728 Social Security bonus most retirees completely overlook. If you're like most Americans, you're a few years or more behind your retirement savings, but a handful of little-known Social Security secrets can help ensure a boost in your retirement income. So, for example, an easy trick could pay you as much as $16,728 more each year. Once you learn how to maximize your Social Security benefits. So you you think you can retire confidentially with the peace of mind that we're all after. Simply, you have to discover how to learn more about those strategies and opens up new windows to help you. Um, Fox Business, there's a site on Fox Business that will shed light on that and actually will help you um, fix that problem. Seriously, it will help you. So those are some good tips that somebody sent to me and I had to read them all to you. That came from Fox Business. You guys, it is important to be on top of those things and not make your life more complicated and more financially strained than it has to be because the Republicans are not the, the middle class and poor people's friend, just so you know. So you have to look out for yourself and protect yourself at all costs, point blank in the period. Now, Georgia is planning to shut down seven of nine of their voting locations ahead of midterm elections in the predominantly black 
country. Yes, you heard me correctly. Now, in a country where black residents make up 61% of the population, it has been proposed that seven out of nine voting locations be shut down just a few short months before midterm elections. Didn't know that, right? Yeah. Georgia's Randolph County Board of Elections informs citizens that the reason behind the possible termination of voting places lies in the fact that the country was unable to make the location wheelchair accessible in time for the midterms. You heard me. Now, the Americans with Disability Act requires that all public buildings be wheelchair accessible, and without this, the voting locations are viewed as being out of compliance with the act, therefore unable to serve as polling places. Yet, there was a Huff Post report that noted that there are no such written policies in the region. Though two locations will remain open, transportation is not easily accessible to many of these black citizens because, according to a letter written by Georgia's American Civil Liberties Union, uh, ACLU 22.3% of residents in Randolph um, I mean, yeah, Randolph County do not own a vehicle. The poverty rate amongst black people from the country sites sits at 30.5%, which is almost twice, you guys, the rate faced by the state as a whole. Now, whose poverty rate is 16%. Now, this rate along with the fact that 40% of residents have a mid-end income that is much lower than the rest of the state makes the possibility of reaching four polling places dispurgingly low. See, they said that these polling places, disclosures will virtually guarantee lower voters turnout in a black built country that is predominantly African American and will completely prevent rural voters without transportation. Again, disproportionated. Oh my God, I'm tongue-tied. African American from voting in person on election day. Yes. The letter continues to question the morality behind the Board of Election and the registration decision to close polling places, citing that the location flag for closing were used early this year during primary voting without a hiccup. Hiccup, And now, during an important midterm election, the board is finding issue. Now, we're considering the ballot holds the name of Gober National nominee Stacey Abrams, who could become the country's first black female governor if elected. Abrams' candidacy makes the closure of the polling location all the more suspicious. Also in response, Abrams' running opponent, Representative Secretary of State Brian Kemp, urged against the closing. As soon as we learned about this proposal, we immediately contacted Randolph County to gather more information, Kemp told the Newsweek through a spokesperson. And although state law gives localities broad authority in selling percent boundaries and polling locations, we strongly urge local officials to abandon this effort and focus on preparing for a secure, accessible, and fair election for voters this November. According to the Washington Post, voting on the proposed to eliminate seven voting stations will take place um, it took place on the 24th. The voting rights activists are circulating a petition to ban the proposal. As of today, the 24th, I haven't heard whether or not that decision has been finalized, has been made. I don't know, but that should tell you how this country is run. The sneaky, the foolery, and people think that we are so dumb and that we don't see through it. 
And that's why we're always attacked. That's why we're always criticized. That's why we're always being stepped on because they don't want us to get ahead. And I'm not saying they as in all in everyone. I'm saying the ones that are trying to attack, keep us down, step on us, commit crimes, lie and steal, and even your own. Your own do it too. So it's not about race when I'm saying what I'm saying. So as long as you're doing something in a good way, somebody's going to always come and try to attack you and bring you down and take from you. And the fact that you're doing it in this type of country, in this type of community, tells me a lot. It tells me a lot. And this has to be fixed. This has to be fixed. There's no way this should be allowed and nothing should be illegal about that. There's no way. We already have a president that won't be impeached. You get what I'm saying. So why should it be okay for people to get in positions by voting when you're choosing a tacky way to keep everyone from voting fairly? Come on now. Get into it, people. Mm -mm. Get into it. African-Americans film critics associates team up with the Turner Classic Movies for the Black Experience on Film. Yes, honey. It creates a month-long programming event that looks at the portrayal of African-Americans and film throughout cinematic history from the 1920s through the 1990s. The Black Experience on Film will feature 13 acclaimed members of the AAFCA as they look at and discuss 32 seminal films. Now, the programming will run every Tuesday and Thursday evening during the month of September, beginning on Tuesday, September the 4th, when AAFCA President Gil Robertson and cultural critic Rhonda Rachel Penrice look at the racial violence depicted in the 1920 Oscar um, film Within Our Gates and discuss the beauty that is the story of three generations of Jalaya. Goliath woman and Julie's dash daughter of the dust from the 1991 the themes featured in the month of programming include exploring black identity Hollywood confronts racism african-american coming of age black romance in film african-americans musical strong black women african-american comedians and black stories from around the world other films explored in this in the series include Claudine Sparkle, Cleopatra Jones, uh, Losing Ground, A Raisin in the Sun, A Soldier's Story, uh, Carmen Jones, and The Hollywood Shuffle. Since the earliest days of film, the portrayal of black characters have ranged from stereotypical and one-dimensional to more nuanced and complex. And with this programming, Tenpole will explore the important part of film history, specifically from an African-American perspective, with insightful commentary from some of the nation's most prominent film critics, Charles Tabash, Sr., Vice President of Programming and Production, TCM, said in a press release. He also said our partnership with the AAFCA is important, and together we aim to tell a contextualized and curated Curated story of the black experience on the film. It is both an honor and a privilege for the AAFCA and its members to work with Charles Tibesh and the rest of the TCM team to facilitate such impactful programming. The legacies of African Americans in cinema often goes untold, but it has been a long journey since the earliest beginning of the art form. African Americans have had a presence in cinema. That is the point 
we hope these 32 films will drive home. Our intent is that audience be engaged, they be entertained, and enlightened by the sheer diversity and breadth of this substantial arc of film programming is what um, President Gil Robertson said. Um, the Black Experience on Film Programmer begins Tuesday, you guys, September the 4th, and it will air every Tuesday and Thursday evening on TCM in primetime. Go check it out. I will be checking it out. Yes. You heard me. I know y'all started hearing that. Yes. But yes, you can go. You can also go to the grapevine, um, dot the root dot com, and it will give you all that information, everything that I just read to you is where that came from in regards to that, that statement and everything. All right, you guys, that is it for me today. I thank you for your ear, for your support, for your time, for your energy, all that are beautiful, amazingness. It means a lot to me. It does not go unnoticed. Trust me when I tell you that. But it is Friday. You guys have a fabulous weekend. You guys stay true to yourself. Do not let anyone's thoughts and opinion dictate who and what you think of yourself. Remember, remember, success is the results of perfection, hard work. A dream doesn't become reality through magic. It takes sweat, it takes determination, and it takes hard work calling power. There are no secrets to success. It is the result of preparation, hard work, and learning from failure. He said that. I believe that. Self-belief and hard work. It will always earn us our success. It will get us to where we need to be at. Stay true to ourselves. Continue to push love and motivation and encouragement despite the negativeness and hate that's going on in this world. My prayers continue to go out to the Tabor family. The immigrations that are going through, the things that they're going through, change for betterness and for us to learn to accept people for who they are and hold the ones accountable for their actions and not blame everyone for everyone else's mistake. We have to continue to pray for people like Candace and Trumps of the world because something is wrong with them. They're lost. Their souls are lost. They're lost. Get on top of your taxes, you guys. Let's be smart about our future, about our now, about what's going on in our life. Let's not make our life harder than what it has to be by ignoring our responsibilities and our um, our own self. We have to be held accountable for our own self. We have to take care of our own self. Point blank and in a period. We have to always do that. Cardi B is going to be doing comedy. I look forward to seeing that. All of that. Don't forget the African American Film Critics. September the 4th is every Tuesdays and Thursday. And remember, colorism isn't just about dark-skinned people. It's not just one way. We have to get outside of ourselves sometimes and look at things through someone else's light, through someone else's um, perspective, through someone else's lens. And understand that there are people too. They have feelings and things happen to them. It's not just about dark people. I'm sorry, it's not. And everything that I talk about is from my opinion on how I feel. It's not about me being right. It's not about me predicting how everyone feels. I'm not speaking for everyone. I'm speaking for she, me, her, who voice you hear that's coming over through your ear. 
And I'm not going to preach anymore for your ear, for your support, for your time. You guys continue to come over and support me. Thank you guys, Miss Helen, Auntie A, um, uh, uh, Mr. E. Um, all you guys, like everyone that have been subscribing, that have been supporting. Thank you. I appreciate you, Miss Helen, Miss um, Margaret. Um, thank you. I appreciate you guys. And remember, let your family and friends know that you love them today because tomorrow is not promised to anyone. Until next time, you guys, let God be God on Talk to Talk. Peace.